Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everyone. Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. Another edition of Poker Action Line is the uh, the serious stuff really starting to get underway out at the World Series of Poker at the Rio in Las Vegas. Uh, the Poker Players Championship now in day two, and uh, got off to a very slow start. I know they started the tournament, and, and this kind of gave me a little question for you, Joe. Uh, they started with four players, and they were actually playing with four players. Of course, it got bigger real quick, but um, do you have to have a certain number of players for you to be happy with the start? Uh, yeah, normally, I mean, when I worked at Dania, um, I'll give credit to, to the manager back then, Omar, that he started a couple of those uh, big free rolls, you know, with big guarantees with maybe four tables and three people to a table. And I was like, why don't you just combine them to start a table he goes don't worry they'll be there within 15 20 minutes and he put an empty stack at each seat so they'd be picking up the blinds as it went along and sure enough it did fill up um <laughs> that's a very good question dave i don't yeah, know i mean uh i, I guess it's just a feel really you you gotta know who's gonna get there i mean i think they started today with something like 39 players or something like that and instead of putting them in, uh, you know, six or seven to a table, uh, they started with four at each table. So you could see they were in seats one, three, five, and six. So I'm sure that as players came in uh, to the start of the second day, that they were able to just fit, fit them right in. And, and the reason for that, Big Dave, is if uh, you said they started with four players uh, per table. How many tables did they start with? 39, you said? Well, that was today. Uh, yesterday, when they started the tournament, they actually st- only had four players in the tournament at one point. <laughs> That's all that had yeah. showed up so far. And this is the uh, what's this the, is the poker players' championship, fifty thousand. Fifty k. So they probably had a rough idea of how many people were going to be entering the to- total tournament. Right. Um, knowing the history of some of the players, you know when they're going to come in, and. Uh, I now do the same thing when we start our tournaments. I try not to put more than four people to a table. I anticipate how many tables we're going to open. And I, you know, let's just use tables one through seven for argument's sake. And you got those seats taken up like you said. Well, once I get four people on table seven, then the next person who registered goes to table one, next one goes to two. And, you you know, you start evening out the table. Um Tournament players have kind of gotten used to this. Uh, they prefer this than to filling up two tables and all of a sudden getting four people walk in the room and then you got to remove two ta- two people from each table, you right. know. So, you know, that's the reason for it. Now, obviously, as the tournament locks or as tables get shorter, you do have to move people. But you try not to do that at the beginning of a tournament. So, right, right. Uh, you know, that would be my guess was what to what they're doing there. Well, obviously, the main event is the uh, gets all the attention. But to me, this is kind of like the big tournament. Uh, Fifty thousand, uh, eight game mix. Uh, you got uh, Rob and Michael Miss Rocky both in the tournament. Uh, Michael has won this three times. He won in 2010, 2012, and then came back and won in 2018. So. Uh, you know, again, we were talking last week about uh, possible Hall of Fame induction, and that, to me, uh, is certainly qualifies him for that discussion. Absolutely. This is a very – everyone kind of says this is the unofficial championship because it's the big boys and girls playing for this amount of money, and it shows uh, different games that they choose. So, you know, uh, I have no trouble with that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We, we both we both know the winners of the main event uh, is not the best player in the world. No, that's uh, for sure. It's the luckiest, probably. You know. Um, yeah, it's to, a huge not, it's a huge field that you just have right. to you know you, and just to just uh, deal with the um, you know the grind of it. The whole thing is really an accomplishment for that. A- absolutely, Dave. And 
you know, what's great to know is that a lot of these past winners have proven themselves to be outstanding and top-notch players, you know. Uh, so I'm not trying to, to take anything away from the main event, but we do know that there have been winners that have gotten very lucky, and, you know, you you rarely ever hear of their names, uh, you know, going forward. But other champions, you know, are are staying in the limelight, you know, and, and continue to improve their game and continue to play against world-class poker players. And, um, but yeah, I don't think I'd have a problem with, uh, the poker players championship, uh, there, you know, uh, for 50,000 being a, a better showcase for who the best player in the world is. Right. Absolutely. Uh, just to look at quickly what's happening here, there's the 53 entries thus far, I guess there could be a few more, uh, but 47 still in the tournament. Only six players have been eliminated. Uh, both Moose Rockies are still alive. Daniel Negreanu playing uh, several people who have won bracelets just in the last week or so. Brian Rast and Sean Deeb are both uh, doing very well. Chip leader Bryce Yaki right now at 680K. Uh, Sean Deeb has, has uh, 600,000 chips. Brian Rast also in the top 10 with 535,000. And Rob Mizrahi at uh, 495K. Dario San Martino also in the top 10. So Negranu right around the 350K. Uh, a lot of good players. Anything can happen here still. Um, one of the guys I'm really impressed with, a local guy here, Chad Evislage. Um, see him in tournaments all the time at the aisle, and he's won a couple of those. He's become a big high roller player now. Uh, I guess you just have to prove yourself, and all of a sudden you get the backing for some of that stuff. And, uh, you know, to me, that's got to be, you know, the pinnacle of your career to go ahead and play against some of the top players for that kind of money, even if you don't get to keep it all. Yeah, well, like you said, that is is a great honor. Um, And proving to backers or a backer uh, that you're worth, you know, taking a a chance on, Big Dave, that's that's, that's huge. You know, that... That that alone would stroke my ego to go want to play and defeat you know uh, other players that someone thinks enough about me to either fully bankroll me or you know put in a large portion. We don't know what the banking rules. You know, I mean, what the banking uh, agreement is. But uh, if, if that was done with me, I you know my my ego would go through the roof. And just to prove to that person, you know, I try to keep my A game as sharp as possible to play against these people. And so, yeah, yeah. you're right. Well, obviously you feel a, uh, you feel like, you know, you're going to play your best obviously. And you feel like you owe your backers, you know, a good return on investment. But uh, uh, when you do have the backer, it's not coming out of your bank account as much as it, as it, it would in a normal tournament in the past. So maybe it takes the pressure off a little bit. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that. I think it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Yeah, it takes, yeah. The, it takes the edge off as far as, okay, uh, economically it's not going to affect my, my pocket, but in a sense it could be more char- challenging to that. You have a very bad showing. You may not have it. This person may not have any more faith in you. You may not have any other backers who are willing now to, you know, to to – to risk their their money on you, so is it more? Is it less pressure? I think I think it's a different type of pressure. Yeah, you know, I don't know how you feel, but if somebody was a, was willing enough to put up fifty thousand dollars of their money, it would suck that I could lose fifty thousand. I'm a, I'm a, I might be a strange bird when it comes to that, but I'd feel just as bad losing somebody else's fifty thousand and knowing that I could forget about the financial reward by winning it or, or, or making a deep run in the tournament. But if I don't make a good enough showing, whether I get in the money or not, you know, you might, you know, you, you might be eliminated on a one out or, you know, that's, you know, and, and played flawlessly and backers would know that and I'd be given more opportunities. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the, if, if I made, if I made a critical mistake and once again, that's another part of the, of being a poker player, you know. Will they will they be too cautious because it's somebody else's money? 
absolutely. There's a whole lot of things, psychological things that go into this. And, um, you know, I would imagine each player is, 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 is unique and different in their way of doing things. So um, it'd be interesting if one day we could actually get one of these top-notch players to kind of reveal to how talk they about feel. It. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, to talk about it without having to mention who their backers are, but how they how they approach the game and, right, and what kind right. of pressures they felt. So. Well, I remember years ago when they first started, remember the Alpha 8, which was kind of like one of the big high-roller tournaments uh, put on by the WPT. Uh, I talked to a guy that won one of the events, and he was – he kind of just blurted it out and was sorry he did, but he basically told me that he didn't pay for anything. They put him in, and he got 10% of what the prize money was. So I was surprised how small that was. I would think it would be closer to, like, maybe half or something like that. But I guess if you have no financial stake in it yourself, uh, you know, it's still a pretty good deal. Yeah, you know, uh, it gives you a, a shot. You know, 10% of a couple of million dollar prize pool, uh, you know, 200000 And, again, if you do have a great showing, you know, I don't – it reminds me of, uh, you know, when dog racing was legal here in the state of Florida and I moved down here, I asked how, how it worked. I was interesting in, interested in, you know, trying to get into that, Dave, and um, – I was told, well, you know, you pay for these expenses up until the dog starts racing, and then you make a deal, a six-month contract with, uh, you know, a trainer who feeds it, does, you know, the veterinary, and and the, and the pots are, are like, you know, you're splitting the price pool 40-60, and the 60 may be in their, in their favor, but all of a sudden your dog does really well, and now the next six months – now the 60-40 could be in your advantage, you know. And um, I was told that by, and I, I forget, the real nice guy. I remember that he came in 10th place in the main event, uh, Alex. Um, Alex uh, Terriansky. I kind of asked him once when I was working over there, and I said, how does that backing work? And then he says, well, you know, if, if it could go 50-50, it could go 55-45. Either way, depending on how you look at it, he goes, the more successful you are, you could ask for someone to put up 50% of the prize pool for 40% of the, uh, you know, the, the entry fee, excuse right, me, right. 50% of the entry fee for 40% of whatever price money you make. Right, And, absolutely. you know, so you negotiate it. So at 10%, Dave, yeah, it is small, but guess what? All you need is one big showing. And now all sure. of a sudden that backing becomes 40, 50% for you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he, and he, did, he did, he did get a big, uh, big turnout that week with it for well over a million dollars. So, uh, yeah, I guess you just got to prove yourself just like in anything. So, um, exactly. okay, well, let's look at some, uh, earlier results. Uh, a couple things we were looking at very closely. Uh, one is the seniors event, which was, uh, ended last week. Um, Robert McMillan was the winner of that one. Um, let's see if I could pull up the numbers here. I got like five screens open here, so we'll see if I can find the right one. But um, the uh, the tournament moved along very well, and there was a really nice turnout, over 5,400 players in uh, that one. So uh, it's one of those things. Uh, they – it took a while, but they that thing really took off, uh, and I was very excited to see that for the senior players. Um, they had two opening sessions, and uh, that was uh, a, big, a big success this year. Uh, really? I do have it here. Let's see. Let me pull that up. And how many entries did you say already? Ent entries 5,404. This is for the seniors event. That was the seniors event that was uh, ended last week. It actually ended Sunday on Halloween. Uh, Robert McMillan from Arizona was the winner, won 561,000. Uh, Robert Davis was second, Daniel Stebbins third. I, I really haven't heard of any of these uh, senior players, but one thing that did uh, catch my attention was as many um, international players as there are, the top ten in the seniors tournament were all Americans. Well, hey. But this is a hell of a field, huh, Dave? This had to yeah. be a record. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Although I think they did over 3,000 in the past. Uh, 
they the final day started with 16 players and um you know got done uh let's see what time they get done they got done about uh about 5:41 out there local time maybe 5:30 or so so um it was a long day and a long tournament and you wonder how some of the seniors are able to negotiate it i know in the super seniors right now there's a guy who is who has been in the tournament like 10 years in a cash like 10 years in a row he's 80 years old now hey if you have a passion for something you know how that is you're, right exactly. you're well you know i'm sure you can't do that every week i'm you know i don't know how many times you play poker but Dave, I've played long sessions of poker and private games. It's, you know, from when I was very young, Super Bowl Sunday used to be literally an all-day, all-night poker fest. Uh, it would be stopped by the start of the game when the game was at 6 o'clock, you know, uh, or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And many of those Super Bowls back in the late 80s, early 90s were blowouts. So we'd start playing before halftime and go on until 5, 6, 7 in the morning the next day. Right. Uh, if I do that now, buddy, I, I need to call out of work for about a week. <laughs> if I do that now, because of my age. but yeah. uh, you know, but but if I was preparing for this one tournament all year, you better be damn sure that I'd be you know physically ready to do that. But it's just these young guys can go from one tournament to the next. We talk about how some of these guys are actually registered in two tournaments that are going on at the same time, which is just right. crazy, crazy to me. Right, exactly. Uh, several other tournaments, uh, bracelets awarded over the past weeks, in which we did our last show. Uh, there's a fellow named Gershon Distenfeld that uh, in the past has uh, contributed uh, lots of money to charity out of his tournaments. And he did that again last week. He won the uh, 1500 No Limit Hold'em Shootout and uh, won 204000 and donated the entire prize to charity, several different charities. Well, hey, God bless you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, if you don't need the money and uh, you want to do something with your life, there's a good way to do it. Uh, Barry Greenstein kind of set the trend for that years ago yes. when he contributed a lot of money to that. But uh, Distenfeld uh, took the uh, tournament. I don't know if you feel like uh, that gives you a little extra mojo in the tournament. Um, actually, I think it does. <laughs> and, and guess what? Psychologically, think about it. Uh, who'd you rather lose a hand to? You know, some random guy there, maybe some some a hole at the table who's been talking a lot of a lot of crap, or or someone like this where you go, well, hell, if I if he beats me for the next position, I know he's given most of that money or all of it to charity. So right. um, I, I I gotta imagine it gives a really good uh, vibe on the table once people find out and start talking about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's. I'm sure he's not doing it for the attention, but he feels good about it himself. And if it, uh, you know, he he kind of used it as a platform to uh, encourage other players to give, not the entire thing. But he says, he he said, I'd like to offer a challenge to every bracelet winner to give away one percent of their money to the charity of their choice. He said, there's no lack of needs out there, uh, you know, and if I can have a lasting impact on the poker community, it would be that. So. Uh, I know years ago there was an encouraging program through Linda Johnson and a few other people that that urged people to sign up 1% of their uh, prize money. So um, they kind of got away from that. And I know that there is a lot of selfishness in the game of poker. And certainly when COVID uh, made people feel like, you know, maybe this is not going to last too much longer, uh, you know, they got away from it. But here's a guy uh, you can't say, oh, don't tell me what to do, because he's given 100%. He's only asking you to give 1%. Well, and listen, the poker community, we've championed their cause here on this show for many years. You know, uh, you mentioned Linda Johnson being a part of that group. Mike Sexton also, you know, rest in peace. But listen, uh, the poker community has done that. The WSOP has the big one-for-one one drop, you know, where – you know, a large I don't know what the exact percentage is, but it, but it's a nice nice chunk of it. Um, I think that's you know very noble cause, and you know, one percent. Granted, it's not my one percent out of a million dollars, but even one percent out of a million dollars is a, what is that a ten thousand uh, dollar? It's a ten thousand dollar donation to your favorite charity. 
Right. Um, you know, you're not going to pay taxes on that because you're going to probably declare that off, off of, you know, off of your money's there. But regardless, it's got to make you feel good to be able yeah. to do something like that. Yep. And even if it's not 1%, if you don't win a whole lot of money on that, but even if you give a thousand, two thousand dollars, you know, uh, that I think it's just a wonderful idea that this gentleman has asked people to do. And if you get 50% of them to do that or 25% of them, you know, you've created enough uh, enough money to, you know, do something really good for these charities. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the tag team tournament, uh, always uh, popular out there, uh, is going on now. 641 teams entered, and they have 100 teams remaining. Uh, one of the interesting teams in the top uh, top 10 right now is Jeff Platt, the, the broadcaster, who we talked about on the show last week, made a very deep run in one of the tournaments, ended up finishing fourth and won about 160000 And his partner is Brett Hanks, who I can remember won a bracelet the first year I went out there and I was at the final table. But uh, the team uh, event is going on now. Uh, the uh, Poker Players Championship right now, 42 players remaining. Bryce Yockey still holding the lead there. Um, the Deep Stack Championship just got underway today, and the Omaha High-Low 8 or Better starts this afternoon. I think it was a uh, 2 o'clock start out there, so just as we're doing the show, they just got underway. But Player of the Year right now, the current race is pretty interesting. Anthony Zeno leads, Jake Schwartz second, Phil Helmuth third, Sean Deeb fourth, and Ari Engel fifth. So that's a pretty solid group of players. Dan Negreanu in the top 10, currently in ninth place in that. So uh, it's been a pretty interesting tournament. I haven't heard any problems with the dealers. We thought that that might be a, a situation. Have you heard anything of that? No, I haven't. Whether that means that they've just been more accepting of mistakes because of the, you know, the unusual situation of not having as many experienced dealers, you know, coming out there. Uh, or that the dealers have been doing a, a, a decent job, you know, it's it's good either way. Hopefully it's the second, the latter well, of those two. You uh, know how it is. Uh, if poker players have, need something to complain about, they they don't have to go far to find it. So I'm sure uh, it would be all over Twitter if they were having a bad time with it. But, you know, I'll tell you what. I know that i got a good group of people in my room, but we do have an extremely small percentage, as most rooms all over the country do, and especially down here in South Florida, we we have our a holes in the room, you know. Yeah. People yeah. who are just just nasty for 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 the sake of being nasty, and I've had to hire over the last month and a half, um, you know, pretty raw, you know, uh, break-ins as they're called, and to my surprise. They're usually a lot nicer to the female break-ins than they are to the males, and I've had one female, a uh, very, very nice young lady, pretty, and three young men. And I'll tell you what, you know, they have made their share of mistakes, as all break-ins do, but the people have, I hate to say this because I don't want to say this, but they've surprised me. They, they've actually been very kind to them uh, when I've seen a mistake, and myself or one of the other supervisors have approached they're like oh no no don't worry don't get upset at them we're going to you know we're, we're talking them through it and you know I, I kind of put a smile on my face to be honest with you i thought you know that they would uh, at least one in the t every table would somebody would say hey you know why don't you go get experience somewhere else and learn how to freaking deal but they've actually been you know very civil very nice about it and um Personally, I like to thank them because it, it it makes it makes those dealers relax and actually become you know uh, much less mistake you know driven dealers. You know they're not making as many mistakes because they're actually now relaxed and they're not worried. You know every time you worry about something big, Dave, that you know you know they're getting on you constantly. That usually just leads it lends itself to more and more mistakes. Yeah, so absolutely. How long do you think it takes? Good? How long do you think it takes for the average dealer to really feel pretty comfortable? I mean, they're always going to make some mistakes here and there, but you think it takes two weeks uh, if they're pretty much a beginner, or, or or two months? It all depends on the table time, David. Yeah. Okay, if you've got a very busy room, 
okay? And your eight-hour shift, that's assuming you most break-ins usually come in as part-time dealers. But in a very busy room, the better ones immediately gravitate to the manager offering them a full-time schedule. My experience has been the average dealers, okay, take about a month, you know. So you're talking about maybe 100 to 120 hours of table time hours for them to really start feeling comfortable, okay, and feel comfortable in in their mechanics, learning to trust themselves as to what they're doing. Also to learn your players, you understand, because if you're dealing in a regular room, you know, 90% or more of your players are your regulars. So the more you deal to the same people and you know what their, you know, what their likes and dislikes are as to how they act on a poker table, the better right. equipped you are to handle them. And, right. you know, it, it just it just becomes a lot easier. You get to know their names, and as you relax, you get to have conversations. And it's a growing process, you know, and – it sucks to say this, but even in that short time of a month, if if you've put in 100 to 120 hours on the tables, you'll know how to deal with some of the a-holes that are on the table. You'll know how not to let it affect you. Top-notch dealers that I've trained and that other people have trained that I have seen get this thing down in two two to two weeks, which you're talking about anywhere from 50 to 70 hours of table time. Right. Right. And the slower ones, um, you know, obviously could take a hell of a lot longer than that. Well, so, probably faster if they have a good uh, poker room manager that's uh, encouraging and uh, and backs them to the hilt. I listen. That's one. You don't know how true a statement that is, Big Dave, because I broke in where supervisors and 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 the atmosphere they were just complete morons, to be honest with you. They were just nasty for being nasty, for the sake of being nasty. It really was, you know. Um, I got lucky that I didn't have to deal too much with it because I don't have a – I'm not very good at holding my tongue when I was a dealer, and I let a few of them know this. Luckily, uh, for whatever reason, their managers saw whatever they saw in me, and I was allowed to continue to work. And I always made a promise to myself that if I got to run a room, I would never run it like this. I'm not, you know, I was told at a young age, there's two ways to, to, to treat an employee, you know, uh, either, you know, have them with the fear of losing their job or by patting them on the back and and encouraging them. And I've always told people, Dave, you know, you don't have to give somebody a raise, a promotion, but I don't know about you, but I know when I was a young man, Someone says, hey, Joe, you're doing a hell of a job, buddy. Thank you. And it was a supervisor, the owner of the company, whoever. Yeah. That And all of a sudden, I, you know, I, I felt like a king for that day. You know, hey, they noticed what I'm doing. Wow, great. They didn't give me extra money or anything. And I try to encourage that same thing within, you know, all these years that I've been running my room. You know, I give so many breaks because people make mistakes. Yeah. You know, and and you have to be that way. Again, that's my personality, Big Dave. Yeah, absolutely. Not all of, not every room is like that. Right. Well, we're coming up on the main event out there later this week. Uh, now that we're into the month of November, November 4th starts the tournament later this week. Uh, I guess Thursday would be the first day. Uh, six different days of opening sessions for the World Series of Poker main event this year. Uh, and a uh, very interesting story. We mentioned Gershon Distenfeld and his uh, – his charity, uh, you know, efforts out there. But uh, I came across an interesting story that I wanted to kind of share with everyone. Uh, there's a fella from Birmingham, Alabama, that's going to play in the main event now. He is a guy that was just diagnosed with terminal brain cancer uh, seven months ago. Uh, he's 40 years old. He has two daughters, one six and one nine, beautiful daughters, picture of them there, and his wife, Haley. And, uh, you know, they shared the news uh, some time back. He had a sinus infection, and he went to the doctor and had some weird spasms in his neck. And so they did an MRI, and they said it's terminal brain cancer. So very sad, but he's a very avid poker player. And he decided to go on Twitter, and he sent out a tweet uh, asking if people could back him for 70% with no markup. 
He said, I just love to play. Uh, you know, send me direct message if you want. Uh, retweet it to people, and we'll see what happens. Uh, so a fellow who coached Daniel Negreanu during his heads-up challenge against Doug Polk earlier this year, MJ Gonzalez, he offered to pay the entire buy-in and let Graydon uh, keep all his winnings. Uh, then another player stepped in and said he'll split it with him, with Gonzalez. Uh, Maria Ho jumped in and said she would pay for his flight to Las Vegas. And uh, he's going to fly out on November 6th and play in day 1D. But then there's also the guy who does the food out there, All-American Dave, if, for people who play in the tournament. Uh, a lot of people uh, get food delivered to the table from uh, his service, food service, a very healthy uh, food-eating truck. Uh, and he caters to the players every year. He's going to provide uh, Graydon with all his meals out there. So everybody has kind of just stepped in. It's just a great story. It's just like we mentioned earlier, poker community loves to give. The large majority of them loves to give. And um, I'm just – you gave me goosebumps telling me those stories of all the people yeah. who were able – who who are able and capable of doing that to stepping up and trying to make this man's dream. And, you know, I'm sure his whole family is very happy. You know, this is he, something they're going, they're going to remember this along with his memory, you know, for a long time. He says he uh, started playing poker when he was 15 years old in the back of a mes- Mexican restaurant. Uh, over the years, he's played in some circuit events. He's had some caches here and there. Uh, his best finish was an 11th place finish in Atlantic City event uh, in 2017. So he's a pretty good player. Uh, his daughters are beautiful. It's uh, it, it's sad, really, to uh, to think that you know some people have life so easy. And I'm sure some of these poker players have really lived pretty uh, comfortable lives. So uh, some of them have relatives that maybe had cancer, and and they just but just to look at the picture of the kids and just to see uh, what they can do. So he's going to go out there and play, and it's going to make a great story that uh, you know the WSOP coverage is always you know, so heartfelt and, and enjoyable that uh, just hope he makes it through day one. You know, I'm sure they're going to be aware of his story going into it. But it's just, uh, you know, it's just part of the, the game that I love because, like you say, people are very giving. There's lots of money to be won. There's also people who, you know, can't buy a cash in a tournament, basically, and, and it's tough. But, but even some of them are out there contributing to charity events and, and that sort of thing. You know, Dave, it's so sad that, you know, we've gotten so damn programmed to hearing the negativity of everything. You know, hearing the arguments in this country, pro and con for your president, for vaccines, for, you know, for for everything. And then this man just puts it out there that he just wants a little bit of help because he's got terminal cancer. And the poker community, like I said before, the ones who can and, and, and did, step up, you know, it's nice to hear those stories, right? I mean, you know, I don't know about you, Dave. I I honestly, I think 90% or more wish they had the money to help, you know, uh, people in need. You know, when I I see things, I lost my mother to breast cancer. Uh, Like you said, people have this here. Uh, You know, my wife and I, we'll give money to St. Jude's. Uh, wounded, wo- wounded warriors is another one. You know, I think the homeless. Yeah, these are things that have always run through my mind, and I've always had a thought that whether it was through poker, you know, the the daydream of winning a lottery. These are these are charities that I would, you know, try to give as much as I could, and and whether it's with cash, time to try to help out, you know, people that that need this kind of help. So this is an yeah. uplifting story in that regards, and. Now I have someone to really root for in the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Michael Graydon is his name. He's 40 years old. He owns a landscaping company. Uh, you know, he just he played he played in the main event a couple of years ago and uh, didn't cash, but he has done okay. And uh, you know, I just hope he can make it fairly deep. Maybe get a cash out of this thing. Uh, he said he doesn't know how long he has to live. Maybe one or two years. Uh, he said, who knows if the if the radiation and the chemo works for him. Maybe he could have 10 years, but uh, it's it's undecided. But it's great to see some people that can afford it stepping in and uh, making his week. So he'll we'll keep an eye out for him and report on that. Day 1D is going to be his day there. Uh, Michael Graydon from Birmingham. Let's take a break on the show. 
when we come back, we'll uh, I have a couple of tips on, on people playing for the first time in the main event. Uh, not uh, the people who are full-time players that are playing all kinds of events and are been out there for like four or five weeks this time, and it's nearly not for them. And these are more like reminders because it's common sense stuff. But I wanted to quickly run down that. If you're planning your first trip ever out to the World Series of Poker, here's a couple of uh, maybe reminders to make things a little easier on you. But we'll get to that when we come back. You're listening to Poker Action Line. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez coming to you from South Florida. Uh, special thanks to our uh, producer stepping in today, Gio Ochoa. And uh, – doing a great job for us as he did for many years on this show and came back out of retirement to join us. Really do appreciate it, G. And uh, certainly, (laughs) but uh, Joe Costello is actually out in Vegas right now. He's been doing the show for the last year or so. And uh, he's going to give us a report uh, maybe on the next show when he gets back doing some auto racing business out there. So let's take a break. We'll be back with more of the program. You're listening to Poker Action Line and we'll return after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration, and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Back to the show, Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez, uh, coming to you from South Florida. We've been keeping an eye on the World Series of Poker. Uh, we mentioned the uh, Poker Players Championship. That is event number 60, so I think there's 88 altogether, if I'm not mistaken. But the main event will be coming up starting this Thursday, the 4th through the 9th, our six opening sessions. And they actually will overlap with day twos, I think, on the 8th and 9th. So uh, some of the people that play that la- those last two opening sessions will will not have to wait too long to get jump right back in so uh uh i don't know what the field size is going to be uh you know probably a little less than uh, before but uh, i've been looking at some of the uh, other tournaments the colossus is going on right now uh you know years ago they had 22,000 this year there's uh just under 9400 so that's down quite a bit, but some of those big events with several opening days, uh, you know, Colossus obviously is a tournament that players will buy in several times. It's the lowest uh, buy-in on the uh, in the series. It's $400. So, uh, you know, it's something that you see out there that people will play many times. But uh, um, we'll keep an eye on what's happening with the tournament size. It doesn't really matter. I think it's, uh, you know, it's probably a good thing because, as we mentioned, uh, don't have as many poker dealers uh, out there this year, but uh, they seem to be uh, getting fine, getting by just fine with uh, a lot of other uh, people helping out uh, from other uh, casinos out there. Uh, Brian Rast did win a race that I mentioned. Uh, uh, Sean Deeb, so big name, big name players are doing pretty well out there. Uh, Ari Engel has uh, had a couple of really deep runs, uh, well-known players, and, of course, uh, Helmuth playing a lot, as is Negreanu. 
and uh, we'll keep an eye on some of those things. Uh, Miami uh, is in the news uh, nationally as well. Uh, lawmakers in the city of Miami look are looking to ban any further gambling expansion in this city. I think the things that are on board, like the uh, the edge uh, Edgewater poker room that has been uh, talked about for a while, I think that is still coming. I think they're just trying to offset some of the future things. Uh, like uh, big name companies coming in and trying to open a big casino, and of course, uh, I'm sure the uh, the Seminole Tribe is all for that. They would like to have a monopoly on the the stuff that they're opening here very shortly. But it's kind of funny. I uh, did see today. I went on Florida Gaming Watch, which is like a news uh, po- uh, gambling news site, and there was actually a link there from the Seminole Hard Rock that you could go on, and uh, it, it the actually the link on the page said. Sports gambling live in Florida, and I know it hasn't really started yet because uh, you know I, I uh, I've been talking with a lot of people a lot lately, and uh, they have backed it off a little bit as far as when they're starting. But uh, this was uh, apparently they're trying to get people to download the uh, the uh, Hard Rock gambling app. So uh, I don't know exactly what's happening with that, but. Uh, it is out there, and things are moving forward. But this uh, latest thing, I don't know if you heard anything about it in the city of Miami. Eleven of the 13 city of Miami's commissioners voted to tweak zoning laws to uh, prevent any further gambling in the city. Uh, is there talk down there about that, Joe? I haven't heard a thing about that, Big Dave. No. Uh, you know, my guess is there these, these uh, politicians are, are, are getting campaign contributions <laughs> From those that don't want to see it to expand, uh, you know, I I can't I can't believe that all of a sudden they want to tweak this just out of the goodness of their hearts, yeah, and because of uh, concerns for the community and all the other garbage that they're going to spew to tell us that's why they want to tweak those zoning laws. Yeah. Uh, you know, right now the lawsuits are, you know, uh, as I've said before, the the the, the Seminoles and, and uh, the Hard Rock. And, and Disney are strange bedfellows because they're at the opposite ends of, of, of the spectrum. But on this particular case, they 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 shook hands and decided to meet in the middle to combat anybody else. Um, I think the big lawsuit there, Dave, is uh, and what they kind of say say no is they're putting up on some of the ads. I don't know if you guys have seen some of the commercials. Oh, don't sign it. They tell you how bad it's going to be. You know, oh my God, you know. Uh, your, your children are going to be addicted to crack and, and, and to criminal activities and all of that. Um, they're trying to stop a, a statewide vote. Um, if DraftKings and FanDuel get enough signatures, there'll be a statewide vote to see if, if it'll open it up to all or to different parties outside of the Indian compact. So right. that's, that's what we're looking at right now. So yeah, and, sure. and the gamblers, to, to be honest with you, uh, from a gambler standpoint, I don't care as long as I can I can place a legal bet in the state of Florida. And then the biggest care will come as to whether the other lawsuit stating that you have to place the bet in person at the facility uh, as opposed to doing it on your phone, setting up an account, and then, you know, uh, enabling GPS, uh, however that's going to get done, which they do in other states, uh, allows you to make a bet within the state of Florida. So... Those are the big things on, on the docket as far as I understand right now, Dave. Right. Uh, there is news about Doyle Brunson. He actually showed up uh, yesterday, Sunday, on Halloween and, and showed up at the table and to play an event. Uh, I don't know which event he got into. Uh, oh, it was the Super Seniors. He uh, he uh, jumped in, uh, greeted the other players, looked down, and his first WSOP cards in three years, last time uh, he played, was in the Do 7 low ball. Uh, championship back in uh, 2018. So um, he said he's going to play a few select tournaments. He looks pretty good. He, didn't, uh, uh, he says he's out of retirement now, at least uh, just for a few tournaments. Also, uh, Phil Ivey has announced that he will play uh, later. It looks like he is probably going to play the main event. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's good to see some of these players getting back into it for sure. Yeah, I mean, those are, those are the names that have attracted a lot of poker players along Along with uh, Mr. Moneymaker and uh, his historic run at the at the main event, so I I love it. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a huge Doyle Brunson fan. Phil Ivey's just you know an incredible 
poker player. And not to mention an interesting character, you know, <laughs> interesting person in his personal life with all the other things that he's had going on. So uh, a lot of interest in, in these uh, things. Have you heard anything, Big Day, before I forget, I, I wanted to mention this. Anything on the Hall of Fame? Anything else on the Hall of Fame? Well, the vote is I mean, later this week. Uh, it's going to be announced on uh, November 17th. So uh, we ran okay. down those uh, lists. I don't have it in front of me right now. But uh, let's get to this little uh, tip session here on people. And uh, like I say, it's it's more of a reminder. but it's, And most of it's common sense, basically. But if you've never played before and you said this is the year, uh, you know, I sat out of poker for a year because of COVID, and now I'm going to, you know, fill my bucket list here with a, with a trip out to Vegas for the main event. Uh, there's five little uh, reminders here, and I wanted to run down and see what you thought on them. Uh, first one is to not wait to the last second. Uh, you know, obviously people have jobs and commitments, but uh, whenever you're going to play, it's always good to arrive about two days early so you can adjust yourself. Absolutely. I mean, if you're going to go out there, again, Dave, you've been out there. I haven't. My thought process, we've had Bernard Lee mention a lot of things as to what you should do physically and all these other things. But my thought process is if I know I want to play in, let's say, next year's main event and and know that the time frame is going to be in this thing, as soon as I know what the schedule is when it gets out there, I'm going to make my reservation. And, yes, I would prefer to be out there so I can get acclimated to the time change, you know, if you're not from the West Coast, just, you know, just to get your body in rhythm, you know. So I think that's a tremendous idea. That's something that I've already thought about when the time comes that I I decide I'm going to enter some of these tournaments in the future. Right. Uh, another one is to study some strategy ahead of time, read a book, uh, go to a training site, uh, watch some videos, however you want to do it. Uh, certainly many ways to do it. But uh, Jonathan Little, who has his own site called uh, PokerCoaching.com, says he said what you want to do is uh, try to look at errors that players are making and then you can adjust your strategy to take advantage of those. Uh, the the, the one he gives is that uh, if you know someone will almost always fold to a 1.25 pot river bet, but will normally call against a pot-sized bet, you may want to drastically overbluff a little using that other bigger figure, figure out what your opponents do incorrectly to then take advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's tremendous advice. You know how we how I feel about him also and the advice he's given in the articles he's written in the past. Um, again, this is stuff that I've actually run through my mind, and it's stuff that I'd be preparing way before, you know, not not just a couple of weeks. I'd be preparing myself mentally and physically to, you know, to try to put myself in the best frame of mind yes. uh, for whatever for whatever tournament I've decided I'm going to enter for sure. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and not just arriving in town early to get your body adjusted and maybe see a few things before you really have to get down to business. But uh, when you're going to play in a tournament, always register early, uh, showing up early. You can avoid lines by doing it uh, late night, a uh, day or two ahead. Uh, you know, getting to the cage uh, before 9 a.m., he says, is always a safe play. But, uh, you know, you, you don't want to up the stress factor when you're about ready to play by being in line and knowing that they're ready to start, you're missing hands. You know, you always wonder, God, was that the hand I was going to get pocket aces? Not only that, you're on the long line and you know you're going to miss, you you might even miss the first level of blind. And by now you're kind of put in a very bad mood. And I don't know about anybody else, but I've never been very successful at a poker table when I've, or anywhere in type of gambling when I've gotten there, you know, in a very upset manner when I've been upset with things in my personal life. So, uh, you know, that to me is tremendous advice. Register for it as soon as you can at a time where you can just literally walk up to the window, give your money, and and if you could do it, it, why aren't they doing something where you can register from home or at least have your money yeah, already I, in the cage? Yeah, and stuff? I, believe, I believe so. I think they really have made to, it very easy to get in now. To me, that's like he, you just mentioned as you were describing that, stress-free. 
I want I want to be in such a you know mental state of no stress. I don't want to think about anything at home. I don't want to do. I just want to be focused on cards and what's going to be needed of me to to play my optimum poker. So. Yeah, absolutely. Also, uh, eating healthy, not just when you're out there. Uh, obviously, you want to drink a lot of water and, and uh, you know, eat healthy while you're out there. We mentioned All-American Dave and his great meals. But uh, beforehand, you should kind of prepare you know, a little bit of training. It doesn't have to be a long time, but, you know. Uh, cut out some of the sugars and the heavy carbs and uh, get yourself ready. Maybe a little exercise would be, a, you know, a good idea as well. Uh, so when you eat a nutritious meal out there, you know, during the tournament, it helps your body stay focused when the game gets underway. So uh, that's always a good thing. I think that's absolutely wonderful advice. I also think that you and I, Dave, this will probably be the hardest part for us. To yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, earlier in my life, this last one would be probably more of a problem, but uh, getting plenty of sleep, not being out drinking and partying all night, uh, you know, do that when you're done, you're out of the tournament and you want to have a good time before you come back home. Maybe this might be the way, but uh, get plenty of sleep while you're out there and get your body on a routine. Uh, these are just little things, but uh, you've seen players come staggering in and, and, uh, you know, playing some of their worst poker, making their worst decisions uh, because they're not physically ready and they're distracted. Well, Dave, this, 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 this particular advice is, uh, I think, geared more for the younger players. Right. You know, I remember when I was that age, you know, when I was in my 20s, I'd deliver furniture. I'd go take a two-hour ride to Atlantic City, come back sometimes because uh, they used to close it at 4 in the morning. Have to come home, change clothes, take a quick shower, and just continue going out to deliver furniture. And, you know, you could do that at that age. At our age right now, you know, if I'm going to have a good time out there, it's going to be scheduled well after my last tournament <laughs> entry is involved in there. For people our age, you know, we're, we're both into our 60s. It's a little different, you know. And I think it's great advice. But, you know, like anything else in life, uh, with my kids, you know, you tell them what you believe is right and wrong, and sooner or later they're going to have to do it on their own and figure it out. So, exactly. you know, I, I don't know how many people are going to heed his advice. It's great advice, but, you know, it, it, to each his own, you know, you, 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 I remember you think you're bulletproof when you're very young, you know, you can do everything and, and still do everything at the best, and good luck to them if they do that. But right. at my age now, once I think you've hit 40, 40 something, yeah, you want to enjoy a night here and there. But for me, when I get to the WSOP, I want to be focused on playing poker and, and trying to win a bracelet and, and maybe making life changing money in the right. process. Right. Well, we uh, because of COVID, uh, obviously, there wasn't a live World Series of Poker last year, except for that final table uh kind of hybrid thing that they did. But the other thing that kind of disappeared for a while was the WSOP circuit uh, that went on an 18 month hiatus and they will be back beginning in late November, right around Thanksgiving uh, with the 17th season of the WSOP circuit. Harris Cherokee will host the opening event uh, right after the world series of poker uh, concludes. Uh, 13 stops have been announced so far, including a tournament of champions that will finish the season. But um, the Bicycle will host an event once again, Harrah's New Orleans. But there are three new stops, including here in South Florida. Years ago, it was played at the Palm Beach Kennel Club, but the Isle Casino in Pompano Park will host a circuit event this year. And uh, looking forward to that. That is that actually at the beginning of next year. Uh, I think it is, let's see, it is uh, February 3rd through the 14th. So South Florida players that enjoy playing at the aisle. I think you're really going to enjoy the circuit event there. And uh, that will be after the first of the year. Some of the other places that will be hosting events will be the Hilton in Aruba. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Joe. I know you've been to Aruba many times. Mark uh, Charlie. Mark Charlie is the, the man out there. One of the best people I've ever met in my life. That's, uh, uh, he, runs, he runs a casino, runs the poker over there. I've, I've actually run some tournaments for him. They had a great success. Uh, in the November before the pandemic hit, and um, you know they're a first class operation. That's a first class man right there. 
Yeah. Uh, also, that's going to be, by the way, December 9th through the 19th. Uh, Choctaw Durant in the Dallas area, you know, actually in Oklahoma, just uh, north of the Texas border. Uh, they'll be hosting an event in uh, early January. And then Hard Rock Tulsa has an event in March. Turning Stone in New York will host for the first time in mid-March. And then they'll work their way back through Tunica and New Orleans until they get to the Tournament of Champions uh, out in Las Vegas. They still have to announce the official dates to finish that season. And they may add more events, but things starting to get back to normal slowly but surely. And uh, nice to see the uh, circuit uh, returning to action. Yeah, and I wonder what happened because I believe once Palm Beach let it go, it went to Coconut Creek, and it was in the it was in the Hard Rock family. And now you've mentioned that it's at the Isle. Well, I think it might have been scheduled there, but I don't think they played it because of COVID. I think it was canceled. If I'm not mistaken. Oh, I I no, again I may be wrong also, but I thought they had run it the year prior to the pandemic, and you're right, it got canceled after that, but. Uh, they had it for a very short time, if at all, like you just mentioned. Yeah. So. Anyway, we'll keep everybody up to date. Uh, Seminole Hard Rock in Hollywood's hosting uh, the Rock and Roll Poker Open uh, in November, and that uh, gets underway pretty soon. So we'll be talking more about that next week as we keep an eye on the main event. Main event, 4th through the 9th, getting very close to that. So uh, certainly looking forward to that. Uh, as we uh, wind down the show, uh I'm very curious to find out what the response was on your tournament this week. Can you talk about that at all? No, you got the dates wrong. It's coming up this coming Sunday. It is this Sunday, okay. The the, the 7th of November, we're running our uh, uh, $7,500 guarantee, $4,000 minimum guarantee for first for a $75 entry. And then uh, we're pushing hard and Hopefully, we'll get a good response to it for the one on the 14th, which is a $25,000 guarantee. Yeah, that's the one that I wondered. What was the response? You said you had a limited well, number of players we, that were going yeah, to be able to play. Right. We're limiting it to 28 players at any time because we're still at seven players per table. So, it's you know, it'll be a four-table uh, action, you know, uh, max players at any time, 28 players. Um, 12,500 minimum guarantee for first place. The final table will get paid. Um, so, you know, it's, it's something different. We will be doing $500 rebuys at the table. If you get, um, anytime that you're at 25, 25k or below. So you start at 25k. So if you want to double your stack for an extra 500, you can. Um, and once again, like I said, it's, it's a, Guaranteed twenty five thousand. We're hoping that it it's even more successful than that. We can pay out a heck of a lot more in prize pool, and um, you know it's something different. Or we're hoping that it works. So thanks for mentioning that, Big Dave. And what is your policy down there now on uh, masks and uh, vaccinations? Uh, right now, masks are uh, optional for the guests. Okay. The uh, the dealers and all employees, as of right now. Uh, we must wear masks. The unvaccinated dealers have to wear a mask and a shield uh, in our room. And um, that's it. You know, I would say that more than half of the casino guests are still wearing masks. You know, uh, they, they, you know they're wearing that mask. Um, so, again, there's nothing as far as the vaccination is concerned. So, um that's it. You know, I was shocked because I thought we'd have more people not wearing the masks than are. But, you know, minimum of 50 percent, maybe even 60 percent of our guests are, are you know, masking themselves up outside of when they sit down to eat or drink something. OK, uh, I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, big holiday uh, season getting underway and uh, a lot of. Uh, you know, people come to town, obviously, for uh, the holidays down here in South Florida. The, a lot of Canadians that did not show up last year, uh, I'm sure, will be back this year. Um, that could change things back to uh, a little more normalcy. Yeah, and um, it's funny because having worked both in Broward and in Dade, the, you get more of the Canadian population coming down uh, and staying in the Broward area. 
where where um, we get a lot of more of the South American uh, people that are coming down here um, because this is like they're, they're you know they it, it kind of flip flops a little bit so uh, I don't recall too many Canadians in the daytime where if we're in, in our casino but I know that in Dania and at the Big Easy. Uh, you know, this time of year is when they, they, they all all the snowbirds, as they call themselves, start coming down, and uh, you know we see a whole bunch of them in the casinos. So that's a Broward problem, uh, I guess. Not, not uh, something yeah, I don't call that a problem. <laughs> it's, it's not a Broward problem, but uh, yes, it is. It is more in in the Broward section than in Dade County. Yep. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for the show. We're finishing things up here. Uh, Gio, again, thank you for all your help of getting us on the air with uh, Joe out of town. And uh, certainly look forward to uh, to seeing you in person uh, before too long. But uh, we are getting the show done, and uh, we hope people have enjoyed today's show. We'll be back next week. We'll, again, uh, be covering the finish of the Poker Players Championship. I can tell you that Bryce Yockey is still the chip lead, has gone over a million chips, and has a big lead over Chris Fitch, Jesse Klein, and Sean Deeb. So uh, by over 400,000 chips ahead of those guys. So uh, we'll have some results for you next week when that comes on. And, of course, uh, next week when we get underway, we'll be in the middle of the opening sessions of the World Series of Poker. Joe, thank you for all your uh, contributions, as usual, to the show and Gio as well. And we look forward to having everyone back here next week for another edition of Poker Action Live. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.